the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the prime time, bitch. Let's dare to dream, <laughs> baby. Welcome back to 31 for 31, your Halloween podcast, counting down the days to the 31st all month long in October. We're bringing you your favorite horror movies, new finds, B-sides, classics, slashics, everything you need all month long to keep that Halloween spirit alive. And we have now hit episode 26. Is that right? 27. And we have now hit episode <laughs> 27. That's right. I got it right the first time because I'm a <laughs> professional. And that is another third movie in a trilogy. This one's a little longer than a trilogy, sadly, much like The Exorcist. It's Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Let's harmonize really quick. It's a it's a it's a favorite of the franchise. It's uh, much like Exorcist three, better than part two to most. Not in my heart because part two is such a strange movie as we'll get into. But yeah, this one flows very. Are we well. supposed to watch part two again? Yeah, I mean, I just watch it pretty much every night of my life anyway, just for comfort. But it's Cody's three, faculty three. <laughs> Dream Warriors is my faculty, you know, just because it's got a bunch of teens being guys, being gals, being dudes, <laughs> hanging out, cutting themselves. It's a blast. Um, you know, and Not talking. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit more of a direct sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. It's got, you know, a, a lot of familiar faces that weren't famous now, evidenced by the fact that they're in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 but go on to be fairly famous. So we've got Heather Loggenkamp coming back from Nightmare 1. We've got Patty Arquette. You know, we're on a Patty basis. As wow, you our, know her that well? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know I, was, I was in the background of boyhood all those years. <laughs> and as our main scream queen, she screams a lot in this movie. We got Good La screams. Larry Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne couldn't make it, but Larry showed up and he's, he's it's got a cousin. A, He's got a, you know, a, a side dinner role in this. Not really a main, a main dinner role. And then you got other folks is, you know, obviously you're Robert England, but you've got your John Saxons. You've got your Zsa Zsa Gabors for a second. It's a, it's an interesting cast for, for a pretty specific kind of horror sequel. So let's dive in. I think uh, it's definitely flowing from The Exorcist 3, not just because it's the third of a movie, but we both, we've got, the heritage, the trauma brought on by an original horror movie in both coming back to blows with the original person who kind of confronted them, getting back in to finally conquer the evil, whether that's George C. Scott from the original Exorcist or, you know, Heather Langkamp's character of Nancy Thompson from the original Nightmare on Elm Street 1 coming back. Both of them take place in insane asylums so we got that going for us and and both of them are about kind of teaming up to overpower some kind of 
uncompromising evil with almost absolute power, just with a little bit of friendship. You know, that's that's how you gotta <laughs> figure this shit yeah. out. So I and, think, and that, you've also got uh, the original creators coming back after a departure, not so loved number two. Right. And I think we got to get that out of the way. I think, you know, Wes Craven's back. We got Frank Darabout on this bounce on this uh, on this script. We've got good old The Mask and The Blobs. Chuck Russell doing, I guess, an OK job directing, not the standout part of this movie. But uh, it's really bringing it back into kind of the original sense of trying to gang together to conquer something that's taken out a group of teens like the original as opposed to the sequel which is a masterpiece in gay cinema that i adore and has its own documentary about it you should probably check it out it's written as one of the most kind of underground but totally not underground gay films in hollywood horror history that you know freddie is inside me and he's trying to get out and then there's a man <laughs> inside me it's much like uh you know a, a little bit of a tobias arrested development joke happening but i think uh you know it's, less albino black man uh conspiracy theories exactly yeah so i think this is you know a fun you know nightmare on elm street 2 is a fun one to watch it's a real departure it's got absolutely hilarious moments that are intentional and unintentional and we'll talk about that some other time because it doesn't quite fit into the this <laughs> list of what we're looking to accomplish or you know i think we generally looked at this list as like hey we need to have some degree of like let's shoot for some actual disturbing scares as a as a at least table stakes for this halloween podcast and that one is just pretty much all out goofy but this one <laughs> It's silly. There's a lot of questions of intentionality in its silliness a lot of the time, which I think is gleeful, much like the second one. But it's also got some really, really messed up creative turns around kind of the quote unquote kill count of the movie and the the creativity and the glee that Freddie has taken out people in the imagination realm of dreams. They put a lot <laughs> of butter on that. So I think that's yeah. definitely something that makes this one stand out and be placed as a a close second on most nightmare best of lists with a pretty gaping third fourth fifth (laughs) there's a big value yeah yeah for sure (laughs) it's um and yeah i mean this is the film that dreams big and exorcist 3 it feels like the proper sequel to the original this one dream warriors feels like a real continuation and sort of like in the expansion of the idea we're like okay we have we've set up this dream conceit. How do we make it? How do we dream bigger with that? How do we take it to the next level? And we I love that they do it. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. The, the we you we turn it against Freddy, and like we have this dream sharing thing. And some of it is a little bit of a stretch. Like if we're gonna get into the one of the 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 plot points is just Patricia Arquette's character. Oh yeah, I can add people to my dreams since i was a kid <laughs> it's just like okay whatever don't worry which about it. is awesome she has a it's gift. very cool it's She's very forgotten cool how to She's use the joan it. of it's arc very... of the dream war you know it's all <laughs> yeah. right there in the text it's awesome but it is kind of just like a hand-waved like a supernatural thing that we're just going to add in on top yeah. of the ghoul that is invading our dreams yeah and but, i think uh, the 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 you know the the specific use of dreams and the imagination of it and kind of the bounds of reality are great. But I also like that this movie brings back like the real sense of stakes of what 
Freddy is to a community, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, and some of the remake nonsense really hammers it on that to an obsessive degree. <laughs> but like second one was about, you know, Freddy taking over a person and it took this whole new thematic meaning, obviously. But this one really is still about like, hey, your parents killed this guy because he was a pedophile. We're going to give you a little bit more backstory about where his mom came from and all this kind <laughs> Jesus of Friday Christ. the 13th like was- one stretchy stuff but again it's still just like hey i am you know there is unfinished business there are unburied bones literally because you burned (laughs) me alive because i was a pedophile in your community and now i'm gonna kill your kids like that's what the first one's about very concretely that's what this one is about i think even more effectively than the first one in that regard especially as he lifts up his shirt and shows the the faces and souls the of the slain yeah. all over stuck yeah. inside yeah. stuck inside total, like, total recall. recall so i think uh that's landed pretty well and in, in a way that like again having a monster like this unleashed with with ultimate power needs to be kind of restrained a little bit by having a reason for his sense of malice directionally i guess because otherwise it's just kind of like jason takes manhattan wandering around finding who's available to kill you know and that's that's not the the lane that you need to go down with something like this when you have a killer that has a great origin story you know or at least you know a well-defined one that gives him reason to specifically kill children but but yeah i mean he's he hams it up in this one but he's uh you know he's got a little bit more backbone in terms of pun intended about where he's coming (laughs) from here's my here's my question to uh chris and cody to you guys, how do you, where do you, do you rate this above personally, above the first one? Like, you know, like, are, are we, are you Nightmare 3 or Nightmare 1 or Nightmare 2 fans if you're going to rank them? I feel like I do need to go back and rewatch 1 and 2 more recently, but I, I feel like I have more fun with 3. I've seen, I feel like I've seen 1 in so many different iterations on vhs and dvd and tv in different places two i've only seen a couple times and then three is just kind of the fun one to revisit it has some of my favorite kills and it's fun watching young patricia arquette get (laughs) almost eaten by a worm freddy head i just i love the practical effects of it all i would say this one has the best practicals and the best imagination around the dreams for sure if it's wasted anything you know none of these even come close to the remake with Rooney Mara, which is the greatest Nightmare on the Street <laughs> film ever made. Uh, after I see it, I'll tell you again, because I haven't seen it. But I actually how I watched feel. it. I watched it. <laughs> really? It's, uh, you know, there there are some interesting ideas in there, but it just feels like it doesn't do enough to warrant its existence. Always a good review for a remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think not, to answer does your... Does not justify living. <laughs> I think to answer your question, I... Like the first three nightmares and no others, um, but I like them all equally for different reasons. I think one is the best movie and the scariest. I think that the sense of actually watching a person be dragged across a wall and and ceiling and you know being pulled into a bed and exploded into blood, which is one of my favorite horror movie kills of all time. Thanks, Johnny Depp. I would definitely um, agree. One one is actually scary. It's super brutal. Is, three is fun. And, it also has a very specific thing where it's like two does this later by turning the guy and the who gets kind of possessed into the killer and three it turns the teens into suicide victims almost in, in terms of what's 
being done to them. Like it takes away that sense of like you as somebody awake could watch this happen to a person and be like, what the fuck is happening? As opposed to walking on Patricia Arquette, who Freddie is fucking with her in her dream, but she's cutting herself in real life. That I think is a, a point to stick on a little bit. Um, three, like I said, is the most fun, the most, you know, hyperbolic in the right ways, you know, the silliest with the whether it's intentional or not in the right ways. And then two is just my personal favorite watch with a very particular group, you know, just yeah. <laughs> having the right type of people who like, you know, a very participatory knowing it for beat for beat, you know, being very leaning into, you know, it's very kind of arch presentation of its themes. Like <sighs> That's a fun watch. But again, it doesn't really fit into the calculus of this masterful mixtape so to speak like the yeah. automatic fun you're gonna have with with dream warrior in you know kind of being a hybrid of one and two the benefits of both but yeah i think this one is uh you know definitely a worthy watch for for you know cracking some yolks for having a fun time for being silly and not taking yourself too seriously with puns and kills but then also like there's some really good disturbing you know, kind of insightful stuff in this that you can glean out if you're you're squinting hard enough too. So it's got a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, it, I'm pleased with it. I, I agree with most most of your points on like the on these three. Certainly, the ones after this get a little. They get incredibly campy and can be a lot of fun. The dream but child, yeah, like Dream Child, Dream Master, like <laughs> Freddy's dead. Like it just gets all completely off the rails. And I like this because it feels like a nice balance between the first one, like the seriousness of the first one and maybe the more campier elements of the second one. Yeah. Uh, as New Nightmare is also a blind spot for me. I have not ever seen New Nightmare. That's what it, apparently that, yeah. I'll admit that now. It's fun. It's very fun. And obviously like the meta elements are very interesting. And that apparently that idea of, of New Nightmare was supposed to be this film originally. And Cody, to your other point about the suicide elements, like that was actually supposed to be another element that this film almost became that they're going to lean very heavily into the suicide stuff. And then there was apparently a few other ideas, which I don't know if you guys found if during any research, John Saxon wrote a script yeah. <laughs> for a nightmare on Elm street three. That was a prequel and it found, and it apparently it said, I was going to say this for later, but might as well to say it now. It was going to be a prequel where you find out that Freddie was innocent. He did not kill innocent of the first crimes. So it's a bit of a retcon. Innocent it, of killing the kids? Innocent, innocent of killing the kids originally. Okay. You know, of the, the crimes that he is, I yeah. guess, essentially lynched burned for, for later. Burned for later. Um, and it was actually the work of Charles Manson. <laughs> why not? Wow. That, that was, yeah, it was just, I don't, first of all, I don't know why John Saxon like decided, he's like, I'm going to write my own nightmare film. And they passed unfortunately for all of them. but i would have liked to have seen that direction but it also is weird to make a nightmare film without any of these dream elements presumably if it is a prequel unless he had this power maybe he was going to explain that as well but like he had a dream power and then that's how he can do it when he's dead he's really violent in his sleep so he accidentally just hits somebody into a knife or something. It's like, oh, yeah, it? something like that. Um, <laughs> and by the you know, way, in, in New Nightmare, does he walk into New Line and ask and say to somebody like the house that Freddie built? 
because I think that happens, but I want to remember <laughs> that and somebody could write in because anytime I see New Line Cinemas come up, I say to someone around me, the house that Freddie built, because I think it's the funniest thing of all time. And I'm not really sure why, <laughs> but if he does that in New Nightmare, please let me know because I don't plan on rewatching it. I can I can always Google it, but that's no fun. It says it right in the New Line Wikipedia. Does it, the house it says that it. built. Wow. There you go. And for the, the listeners that don't know the background, the reason it, New Line has that nickname, nickname is essentially that Nightmare on Elm Street was their, one of their first films that they financed, and it was a huge hit. And it basically allowed them to grow into the studio they were the and kind of still are today. <laughs> I, just, New Line, I mean, New Line has been bought by someone. I think they kind of they had some trouble. Yeah, I mean, I guess, trouble. you know, people didn't, not enough people went and saw Polyester, so they had to wait. And then Freddy took that. Freddy led to Frodo because they later, you know, did the Lord of the Rings. So there Frodo's you go. dead. A new ring. <laughs> yeah. This was a fun one to revisit. I hadn't watched it in a long time. I I remember I remembered bits and pieces of it, so it was it was kind of it was fun to co- it was fun to come back to this one after, I don't know, I, f- I feel like it had been a long time since I'd seen it. And and remembering some of the kills, especially like the su- the puppet suicide like kill. And then some of the other ones just from... Prime time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. Like just seeing ones that are more in the cultural lexicon versus mm-hmm. remembering how they actually worked in the logic of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and just to get into the logic of the movie, because there is some, but you know... It's sweaty Um, is, you know, a a return to form. We've got um, the the children of the previous John Saxon generation that did the whole, you know, furnace maneuver with with Freddy are still being tormented. A lot of them are being killed such that it looks like they're killing themselves, which obviously it goes into areas around, you know, teen suicide and mental illness it's being kind of the thematic underpinning of a lot of this um but ultimately we got patty arquette and the the wild bunch the dream warrior brigade meeting up in a teen ward of a psych ward on suicide watch all with different kind of edges and breakfast club flair you got the the girl who burns herself with cigarettes who wants to be a star you've got the the kid who's a bit of a bruiser who just keeps talking about beating everybody up and, uh, you know, and a kid who tried to jump off of something to get away from Freddie and now he's in a wheelchair that's handled very tastefully. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it also gets the, the lamest, most sad death, just pathetic. Go, it, like went out like we'll a jump. get there, but he, <laughs> yeah. he goes out like a boss until the final moment. The second spooky wheelchair we get. Yeah, honestly, um, we're, this list is about haunted wheelchairs. Uh, and I think, yeah, it, it's no, it's really about a, dead kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> preferably disabled dead children. <laughs> Put it in the podcast trailer. Uh, but yeah, I think this one, uh, you know, has some some things to say about you know, kind of believing teenagers and what they're going through and listening to them and not being dismissive of them and the, their mental illness because, of course, you know, it's a matter of belief that they all kind of recognize that Freddie's got this power over them. 
the doctors and other people in their lives don't. But who got an internship at the psych ward? It's Heather Lockett. It's the <laughs> Nancy Thompson from the original movie is a year later, five years older. And she is yeah. now a practicing I think psychologist. she pulled some strings. Yeah. I think she talked to like some Freddy. people. Forged, forged a few documents. I like how yes. they give her a streak of gray hair. And that's like, oh, she's older now. You know, like, you know. <laughs> Well, she was scarred, you know, it's like uh, it's like Mordecai in Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, so I think that's, you know, the the kind of reason that this kicks off is that we've got, you know, a person in power who believes who's got a little bit of backstory on how Freddy operates to kind of inform these kids outside of their own individual experience. And then we've got Patty, who's got her power that, you know, is very handy because in the original movie, we kind of find out that kind of use fear against Freddy because he's feeding on the fear. It's a little bit of a Pennywise situation. And if they kind of gang together, hold strong in the dreams, they can push back as much as he's throwing quips at him and knives at him as he goes. So they do an admirable enough job of doing that for a little bit, but have an awful easy way of separating so that they get killed pretty easily. But (laughs) I think that takes me into, uh, you know, a little bit of our, our favorite kills hour, which I'm sure we'll have our own individual ones. But of this unlucky crew who gets killed in ways that look like very elaborate suicides at this psych ward, what would be your most gleeful deaths for, for y'all? I'm going to say shout out to a not death death first. Wow. But I love that's so brave of you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> love giant headworm Freddy. That yeah. almost leads to a death is just I I had forgotten which movie that that happened in. And then rewatching this, I was like, nice, nice. The, this is the one with all the <laughs> very the cool, awesome very practical chill. effects. <laughs> yeah. He goes a little um, Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think favorite death for me is the the puppet master suicide. Uh, just seeing the tendons come out of the arms and legs and then he's walking down the hallway. And I like that you get a view of it in the dream and out of the dream a bit more than some of the other deaths you get to kind of see as the other as uh what's Kincaid in is he in the bed who's just like all right well, enjoy your walk asshole <laughs> like <laughs> he's always helpful <laughs> yeah I, I mean that one to me is fun I like you know it's mixing a lot of different effects and you get the the crazy overlaid puppet master Freddy over top of it and all the kids reacting to it I think it's yeah, they're really serving one. that one up on a tray for everybody. Definitely the darkest too, with just like yeah, gruesome and nasty and framed suicide of the character as well. It's yeah, and dark. it's not played for laughs like others. To me, it's the one too that it shows how dangerous Freddy actually is when he can cross over and come back. Versus some of his other ones are are fun, but it's a bit more like and then I'm there's no you. way this. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, Ben, there's no way this person's getting out of it. They're just going to die. So this one is because it literally teeters on the edge of if he kind of can wake up and get back, he's fine. The other ones, I feel like at a certain point, you're you're just getting stabbed. Jamie, how about you? Uh, I'll I'll start off by I'm going to say the love story, the death of the love story between Neil and Nancy, the will they, won't they, which is you know dangled <laughs> in front of us the entire movie. Um, like that would be my first answer. Master. 
And, you know, I got to say, I, I wanted I wanted to see the it was like a, you know, Meredith Grey, Dr. McDreamy kind of thing going on right there. Like I wanted to see the combination of it. The filmmakers, honestly, that's a porno. <laughs> the filmmakers have a, I have a lot of pride in their restraint and not showing any sort of culmination in that storyline. So I was very sad to see the death of that relationship and the death of Nancy, who I also thought I was disappointed in the way she went out where she kind of fell for the old shapeshifter that is Freddie and got kind of beat, which never really sat well with me. I think she should have come out on top, even if she ended up still dying. Favorite, actually, I might, I'll probably say the the prime time, like the TV one. That is pretty iconic. Like that is just, it's got the, probably the, one of the better Freddie quips, you know, like it was really the start of him really kind of quipping and be like, I'm going to say a quip that relates to how I kill you. And then it kind of goes from there. I think that was ad-libbed also. I don't think that was written in. Larry Fishburne walking into that room being like, man, these kids are killing themselves in the darndest ways. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. jumping into television. Of, uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil. Yeah. <laughs> We're oh, just man, like, these kids just keep killing oh, themselves. Yeah. But uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what Robert, like you said, Chris, then I, I do think I remember reading that was an improv. And I think, you know, the director did kind of let, things kind of loosen up a little bit. And I think letting Robert England kind of have a little more fun with the character is part of why the movie's successful. Cause they're like, you know, this is it. We, this is a kind of a silly premise. Let's just have some fun with it. And I think and it honestly, shows. Chuck Russell has no authorship over this movie. He just kind of let things happen. He doesn't know what the tone <laughs> yeah. of this movie is from moment to moment, but it works when it does. I think mine is one of your least favorites just because it's like for the reasons I like bad moments like this that play well is the the death of the kid who is in a wheelchair. So to describe <laughs> him as that, that makes me sound evil, but it's, yeah, he has a name. He's not in the he dream. Has a name. Uh, but anyway, you know. his name is, uh, <laughs> he is has like a Jesse? name. We just have to look it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would describe him, describe him as the kid that could turn Joey. Into a wizard. I think Joey um, is the kid who goes to. Purgatory. Joey's the kid. I think, it's, I think he's Philip. Maybe. It's Will. Will is killed. Will is the one in the wheelchair. Okay, Sorry. so I'll start. His name is Will, which is something we knew <laughs> and did not look up because he is such a beloved character in the franchise. And he, you know, has this such an elaborate Rube Goldberg of circumstances to die. Where he's, in, he's in a dream, able to walk again, goes into a tunnel. Why is he separated? Tough. Gets chased by a demonic wheelchair, which we all know in this podcast, you're automatically on the list if you got a demonic wheelchair, as we said. <laughs> then he gets... Out of that, out of that pickle, turns and faces Freddy. Says, "You know what? We laid a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, pretext." Yeah, he into flies, this. and uh, he turns into a fucking wizard. Flies <laughs> around, shoots green bullshit out of his hands. Freddy's <laughs> taking licks as he goes, you know. And everybody's like, "Yeah, wow! Look at this situation. This is like a whole fucking." WandaVision battle right now. And then he yeah. stops and then Freddy's like, okay, well that happened. Lifts him up, <laughs> says I don't believe in fairy tales and just stabs him and he goes, oh, and I love <laughs> how that's just, I love things that are just like, you know, any extra, extra, extra version of 
the Indiana Jones, you flip a sword and I shoot you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was intentional. I think they just ran out of ideas and probably had some script where they were like, oh, and then Freddy has a magic wand that turns him into pus and boils and he blows up. And they're like, you know, he's got a fucking knife handy and just stab him. We'll move on to the next one. You know, and that's <laughs> yeah. how it reads. And I think it's awesome. <laughs> They had definitely blown their budget by the time they got to that. Yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, what are we doing that those wizard those... effects and, oh, those aren't practical? It's, oh, fuck. It's from very far down the tunnel. It's like, <laughs> here's a stabbing. Yeah, we already I got a Jason and the high... Argonaut skeleton in this shit. We got to start cutting <laughs> Oh, my scenes. God, yeah. That, I mean, that, the, yeah. the Jason and the Argonaut scene is also ridiculous. And I like how they just added, like, and I know we're just kind of like bullshitting and like nitpicking, but we're, this is all set in love as all these, these things are. The are but like, I it is, like this movie. I, exactly, I this exactly. Movie. Like I love the bullshit where they add like, oh, there's like a ghost nun who is actually Freddy's mother and throws in some some ham-fisted like, oh, his, his bones have to be like, you know, buried. They're autonomous. Yeah, like, <laughs> which, yeah, and they can, they can somehow come to life for no reason and kill John Saxon. Uh, also underrated death, you know, Start set. I mean, that whole family line is now extinguished by Freddy, so he did succeed in that regard. But yeah, there's like a weird like Christian element to it now that's just like, all right, yeah, like yeah. throwing science, some science alone is not going to save him in this one. Yeah, uh, yeah, him coming back to life was just bonkers and fun, and definitely a high high water mark of the franchise. You don't get too plotty on this one. You get a general idea of the warriors being the ability to link up. Dream warriors. Dream, them, you know, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's implied. When I say the warriors, them. people are like, what? The, you know, what, the Walter Hill movie? No, <laughs> man. I'm talking about dream warriors, baby. You know, are you talking about the golden The ones with their own theme song. Are you talking about yeah. the Golden State Warriors? I'm like fucking what are you talking about man? talking <laughs> about the dream warriors man oh i i, I misspoke i'm gonna say are you, when the people are bringing up the warriors you're talking about can the, you dig it can you dream it you can do it that's <laughs> yeah. what i'm saying i think the uh the best part of this is how it how it accidentally or purposefully balances the two tones that it needs to accomplish the things it needs to accomplish. And I think no other movie in the franchise has been able to balance that. It either teeters too far into the meta or, you know, the campy overplayed, stilted, dumb fan servicey <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, you can just say dumb. You yeah. Just say dumb. <laughs> I'll just say bad and you know why. Or it plays to like, hey, this is this is really fucking we're 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 playing serious now. Like this is nobody's gonna joke in this one. People are just gonna get stabbed with knife hands. And it's like we didn't come for that either, man. You know, like this guy's fun. You know, so I think this one is the last of its era of you know having that proper balance and teeters a little bit too much and the ridiculous maybe in the end but i think you know it's it's got a, a solid punch to wallop and i think it's suited very well coming from a rather serious trilogy ender to this which is a little bit more of you know packing that same you know character catharsis but in a way that you don't have to you know, go pray afterwards or something like yesterday. So I think this one fits pretty well snugly into the late part of the list. Yeah. And this one feels like 
we're finally getting characters who are getting to fight back a bit more against their evil by somewhat outsmarting it, understanding how it works versus, you know, some other times in the playlist where you just got to pray that you're going to get out of this. Yeah. It doesn't quite work. Well, it gives some agency. Holy water to bury him and finally conquer him. Yeah. Yeah. It it's uh it's a, it gives some agency to the characters, which I think is and also goes along with like the narrative. This is the closest the franchise really gets to like narrative cohesion. Like you know, like it brings back old characters. It kind of picks up some threads from the original. Like the end of the original has Nancy. Well, the very end has her still trapped in a dream. They kind of you know hand wave that ending. But before that, she basically tells Freddy straight up, "I'm not afraid of you. You have no power over me," and seemingly defeats him. They kind of do a little fake out ending at that at the end of that movie. But in this one, it's kind of a similar way where she is, you know, in some sense, doing her part to help these kids make up for the mistakes she might have made in the first one. Has, a you know, has some notches on her belt for fighting with Freddy before. So it's kind of like, OK, like, how do we defeat Freddy? And she's kind of what she's learned from the original, trying to bring that back and fight him again. So and for that, I appreciate it. And obviously, like. All of the characters in this movie, like that survive, are dispatched pretty quickly <laughs> in the next movie, like within the first half hour, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kincaid is in it for like five seconds. That Kincaid is a character that really is tough. And, you know, they kind of touch on this in In Search of Darkness when they actually interview the actor, where it's like he was, if you think about it, one of the first folks in a teen you know, pick them off one at a time type movie like this, where like the blackmail character was not only going to not get picked off first, but will live and develop. And then, you know, he spoke pretty eloquently about like what that meant for him as an actor. And then some people about what that meant for them as viewers. And then they were like, we couldn't wait to see that he was slated to come back. And the next movie was like, Oh my God, you know, because he immediately is killed and wrote off. He is like the reason that Freddie comes back. Like he gets like, he gets shafted completely. It sucks. Um, And obviously slasher films, I mean, you got to drop some bodies, but you know, like, Dewey, Sydney, and Gail Weathers are still kicking in all their movies. We couldn't, we couldn't <laughs> kept, we couldn't have kept Kincaid and Joey. And I know we recasted uh, Kristen, but we could have kept her again for yeah, a few movies. They could have been like this. They could have been like Sago's the Ron, Harry, and Hermione of the crew. You know, we could have kept it going. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, I could mean, have been just, early Stranger Things. And I think that's part of the reason that the, the series ends up sucking is there's no through line at all at a certain point. It's just kind of like. Did you live across the street from <laughs> like Elm Street one time? I don't think they that's... even are on Elm Street. They're just like, no, it's they're like just... the whole world is becomes Elm Street. Right. And that's yeah. that's when it just starts to become like, okay, well. It's basically if you can recognize episodic. the house. Yeah. If you've lived. <laughs> if you're under 17 <laughs> and you can sleep and dream, Freddy is, comes after you. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even, I mean, we're just, we're straying pretty far from this movie. And obviously, I mean, the last, besides the remake, the last time that, Freddie Robert England played Freddie was in Freddie versus Jason. Where's the future of this franchise? Do you think we'll see another remake at any time? And our, I mean, uh, it, it feels inevitable that the we we have the Exorcist coming back. We have Halloween already back, and two more movies on the way. Like, what's what's next for? We got a Logan Freddy? style stripped down, old, <laughs> but I just gotta. I we follow him for one night, 
and he's got one person to kill and it takes the whole dream but he's just so beaten down he's like oh man my hip you know but no for that Old reason I, like there's no untread ground here like there are certain ideas that don't last that long because you know i i think mm-hmm. the idea of james bond can exist throughout different eras of culture because it can relate the idea of a debonair spy for what it means to be a debonair spy in 2021 versus 1965 and it's like that makes sense and you could put new spins on it for this it's always just going to be the context of like this is the guy you're getting this guy no one's going to accept anything different about this guy who can he kill that's slightly different and it's like we already <laughs> saw the biggest swing in the world with new nightmare and like that didn't lift it off the ground at all so yeah. i don't think it's really adaptable into like a fresh perspective with a new lens it's like mm-hmm. now is he gonna is it gonna kill younger kids you know like chris <laughs> chris would love that for his body count but otherwise. I, mean, I, I gotta get a new page on my book now There's so many of <laughs> so it. many notches of dead kids on this playlist i could see them doing some sort of single film where i don't know it's got a, like a late stage twist where you know someone's having terrible dreams and all these things are happening and then at the end you just get like a glimmer shot of the the three razor the blades coming out of the hand and like a and split then, like a the ending and split basically yeah. like a hidden a hidden sequel That'd like I, great. You, I you could see that i could see them i don't know they could go in some ridiculous direction and go meta and funny with it again and do like some sort of either series or or a singular film in that way i i do agree that it's it's hard just to do a you know by the numbers freddy movie now it just kind of we've had six or seven however many movies we've had of it and you know in some sense i also like when we looked at it follows like that movie has some scenes that are kind of like riffing on nightmare a little bit certainly we had you know the diet johnny depp from that film and i kind of felt like that movie itself is so dreamy and like surreal that it feels like even though it's not a nightmare on elm street film it feels like what a nightmare on elm street film should be in like the modern age you know it's a little smarter it's a little more contemplative so yeah and they shot it so soft or it could be something more like lake mungo you could see a found footage one where Mm -hmm. God. There's images of. Honestly, of, I'm hearing all you guys. These sound like horrible ideas. <laughs> like, I well, yeah, that's what, it's hard. I mean, I'm not, that's I'm that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, no, I mean we're riffing, yeah, it's but hard man, to, I'm I'm seeing that another development room in New Line at Warner Brothers at Discovery <laughs> or whatever they are now is doing the same <laughs> conversation, but people are putting money attached to these projects, and it's gonna <laughs> suck. Well, hey, you know what? There, there's always, I, I mean, like we're if someone puts a gun to our head and it's like make a new nightmare movie, like you know, we're this was this we're is what I would die. say. Like, All right. <laughs> or yeah. or something new happens where people start taking, I don't know, some pill or listening to some app to go to sleep at night, and Freddie can like now enter through that app. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if, if that's the idea, I have the to new give, malware. Let them yeah. shoot us. <laughs> All right, but no. I let's let's say, circle back to this film. On the, no, I want to circle back film. to the the film oh, Friday, Freddy versus Jason really quick. Just oh, get okay. a quick yeah. off the gun, right from the hip. You know, we're talking like bipedal dudes and dudettes who kill people in movies, horror villains. Who's at the top of your Smash Bros tournament for who would actually win? Bridging from just Freddy Jason, Jason, just yep. Jason versus Freddy. 
you're you're saying Wait, that's the top two. two? I'm right? saying I'm I'm a, I'm entering the entire pantheon of film history. Oh, I would say I mean of the the big three, let's call them of like Michael, Jason, and Freddie. Hmm. I like Michael. He's the OG. You like Michael, and also I I like Mike. I'm like <laughs> I like Big Mike. He's great, and he's also you know without him there would there certainly wouldn't be a Jason because Jason is basically just a rip off of Michael. No offense to the Friday the 13th fans. Shots fired, but that never stopped them either. What about the, uh, as we were just talking about, what about just the thing and it follows? Are you ever going to stop that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we don't know. Maybe. I was saying like, hey. It's, that's the Babadook. Like, you, know, uh, I mean, I, I you know, it's like a, candy a fight man, where they're just, you know, like we they're got, just wearing them out. We, Candyman so. versus Babadook versus Sadako would be something I'd pay to see wow. for sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of honey. But I would say yeah, I, don't, between, I don't know. If, I don't know if Michael Myers would get it. I mean, maybe Pinhead. We had Pinhead. Some of the Cenobites. Could, are we saying who would win or just who we prefer? That's I'm, all. I'm, I'm going for wins, man. I'm putting. Oh, we're talking about. I mean, it's got to be Freddy. He's got. He's the most. He's got the craziest powers. Like I don't know. He, he I can tend kill to you agree with dreams. the end of Freddy versus Jason, where it's like at the end of the day, Fred, Fred, Jason doesn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. He just cuts <laughs> off Freddy's head, and he's like, "Well, that's what's going on." So I don't know. It's it's. It's a dumb question for dumb people, and that's why I love. <laughs> you could, you could throw Pennywise in there. We're all dumb. Pennywise could make an appearance. You know, the creeper from Jeepers Creepers. Ooh. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking out. But I was gonna fuck with y'all and be like Godzilla. You didn't think about that. <laughs> but no, I don't think he he'd have a he'd have a a chance. I feel like Jason is up there. He's just kind of like the least exciting, but he is. At this point, the most like he's immortal. like a fullback, you know. You can get to the you can get to the end zone. It's just <laughs> not gonna be fun to watch, you know. But yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. Well, we accomplished nothing with that, so I'm glad I asked. Um, <laughs> but you know, team, we're off combat. the rails here now. Team yeah. combat. You know, we're warriors. We're dream warriors. We just want we want brutal combat in this podcast. But yeah, I'd say uh, you know, in terms of ranking American wars, I'd say probably like World War Two. Probably War of 1812 than the Dream War of 1986. <laughs> that's, that's my empirical ranking as well. Um, yeah, I guess often that, forgotten. Does it take place forgotten. in 1986 or does it take place in 1987? I don't know. Ask a historian. In rewatching this, I did think that I thought that there was more connection to when they go to the junkyard. I like that scene when the cars all like come to life and you get your little fun moment there. Big I, Christine I thought guy. there was more connection in the mythology that they explained a bit better versus on this rewatch I was like, oh no, they're just already here. This is just <laughs> happening. Like what like there was definitely a scene where they talked about this, I think. Hey Chris, don't worry <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Sleep easy. No, I think this one uh, proved a pretty fun watch after we've had some, you know, some drier, more contemplative more you know thoughtful and intentional films on the list that have been fun to watch for different reasons i think this is just like bang 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 you're getting your candy fix here so i think this was super fun to watch and i think it's you know a classic for halloween again just because of course as we've been tying it together this idea of kids stepping through that and getting that lens into the other side and putting themselves in danger, especially in the suburban context, it plays so well to, you know, that autumnal feeling of slipping into something that you shouldn't. And yeah, I this think this is definitely a party movie. Yeah, I think that it's a Halloween movie more so just because it's it's, it's a movie that is able to make you laugh 
and make you sh- shriek a little bit and be a little disturbed. Uh, so you could definitely play this up to the rafters and have a couple people cracking up and a couple people genuinely like, ooh, that's disturbing or scary with the with the jumping scene or with the worm scene, you know. So I think it plays for that general sense of spooky glee that we're going for. And I, I think it's definitely playing well into tomorrow's entry as well but any other final thoughts before we have to wake up from the beautiful dream of discussing nightmare three are we sure this doesn't take place in the 90s because of uh heather (laughs) nancy's uh graduate degree now or like (laughs) i'm just saying that more is like in the wikipedia it's 1987 but i'm just saying because now that she has you know got a master's in you know sleepology or whatever (laughs) sleep psychology Sleep allergy. Thank you. We're professionals here. We all went to college. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, she had a lot of credits. What do you want me to say? You know, she she didn't she didn't sleep through class, so she got ahead. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think this one is is wild. It's got a lot of crazy scenes. It's got a lot of twists and turns. You you walk through the front door of that miniature house, and you don't know where it's going to take you. And tomorrow take the sentences I just said and multiply it by the largest number you can think of because we're coming at you. (laughs) Warning, warning, warning. The craziest, most outlandish, biggest swing of the podcast yet tomorrow for episode 28. We got four episodes left. We got to start hitting you with some bangers. This one's going to be You thought mermaids were weird. Yeah. Yeah. Pack Pack your bags, Little Mermaid. This there's a new monster in town, and it's called Weird Stuff. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, not gonna give. Ring the doorbell. Yeah, we're gonna knock, knock. Who's there? Strange shit, you know. So we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, come on over to my place, um, and we'll be uh, we'll be ruining the surprise even more when we discuss the movie. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for being the people who listen to this. I'm crying. We're just gonna. We're just thank gonna you play for being Doak. the. We're gonna play Dokken right now. We're just gonna play Dokken. I was saying thank you for being the absolute audience of our collective dreams. Single tier. Uh, that was yeah, beautiful. That was poignant. It's beautiful. Yeah. So. yeah. And now play us out with Dokken. Yeah. Dream Warriors. <laughs>